It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat reporter for the Mercury News. On Thursday, it was decided that the NBA would proceed with the postseason, which on Wednesday night wasn't a sure thing after Milwaukee Bucks players decided not to come out for their playoff game against the Magic in protest of the police shooting of Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old black man in Wisconsin. Soon after, players from the Thunder, Rockets, Lakers, and Trailblazers decided they would not play their games, and the game on Thursday between the Clippers and Mavericks and Nuggets and Jazz were also postponed. And though players considered the idea of canceling the entire postseason, on Thursday they decided to continue playing. Kyle Goon from the OC Register will join me from the bubble to discuss all of the events and the next steps for the league and for the players. And then I'll replay a conversation I had a few months ago with former NBA player and coach Brian Shaw about his experiences dealing with racism in America. But first, my conversation with Kyle Goon. Kyle Goon from the OC Register joining me now from the bubble in Central Florida. Kyle, thanks for joining me, man. Um, Look, I know you've been there for quite a while. Uh, I can't imagine that any of this has been normal, but I have to imagine that the last couple of days have been a little bit different. Have you noticed even before the walkouts on Wednesday night, maybe more tension? Anything that you have picked up on in that sense? Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, totally. And, uh, yeah, it is getting – um, tougher in here, I think, for a lot of guys. Uh, um, and then, you know, Jacob Blake happened, and um, I, I think just a lot of players were profoundly upset. Um, you know, in the way that obviously we're away from the world, but but we are not, you know, unplugged from the world. Um, right. And so many players had had these moments of of being moved to act um, about um, George Floyd and, and including marching in protests and starting new groups um, and trying to promote social change. And I think when the Jacob Blake shooting happened, um, they were just sort of reminded that this is still a really uh, terrible issue, uh, a terrible thing that happens in our society, that lethal force is used disproportionately uh, by police officers, uh, depending on your race. And um, I think it was just a, a feeling of helplessness for a lot of guys who said, you know, we're here in the bubble. Like, what can we do for um, for, for the world and, and to heal some of these problems um, that keep coming up, uh, you know, month after month, year after year? Um, and obviously, you know, th- they've been around for a very long time. And I don't think that the players had the idea that they would solve racism with uh, with the NBA restart and the various messages they've had in the restart. But I think it was just a poignant moment where a lot of players were reflecting on how hard it is to be away from the world when there are so many problems going on still. Right. And it looks like now that 
the players have at least agreed to resume the postseason. Were you getting what? Like, what was your sense being there? That did, did you at any point think that the postseason would just be canceled altogether? Yeah, I mean, I, I and I've actually written about this today. Um, you know, the the moment where it really kind of came through to me that this was a real possibility was when LeBron James and the Lakers and Clippers walked out um, of of the player meeting last night. And I think that just spoke to, man, like the most powerful voice in the NBA is, is ready to walk in the season. And this is, you know, getting toward the end of his career. Um, maybe the the last best championship window he has, and he's willing to give it all up. Um, if, it comes to that if he feels that not enough is being done. Um, and I thought that was just a powerful moment because up to that point, you know, there were a lot of speculative conversations. I don't think there was any sort of unified sense among the players of what was going to happen um, before that meeting. Um, but I think it was, even though they did vote to restart the next day and, and LeBron uh, has kind of reportedly changed his position on that. I think it was a powerful moment when a lot of people realized, oh, like this this really could happen. Up until that point, I think people thought that LeBron was in the corner of, hey, let's play. You know, we can do both. We can, we can. Uh, he he started more than a vote. He's he's kind of done that as his project uh, out of George Floyd and and funneled a lot of money into that. Um, but the fact that he was willing to walk away over this kind of demonstrated how risky it was uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, that to me speaks to just how much this hit for these players. And look, there's been some backlash, right? I mean, people talking about, oh, well, it'd be nice if I could walk out on my job, right? Or, or something like that. And, and the argument that I keep making is, well, this is sort of the only recourse that these guys have. They're locked within a bubble. Um, it, they can't do much other than just not play. And, and they use their platform to make some sort of statement. I just wonder because before they actually walked off, it did seem like there was a concerted effort from guys like LeBron. We heard Doc Rivers' impassioned speech and all these things uh, to talk about it, right? And I just wonder, um, do they feel like they haven't been heard? And and you're there. You're interviewing these guys. You're You're right there covering the team that maybe has been on the forefront more than any of this because of LeBron's involvement, if not, you know, the Clippers and what Doc Rivers has done. But when you're talking to these guys, do you feel like they feel like they are being heard? Um, you know, I, I would say not only do they feel like that, sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I feel mm-hmm. like I write something, I, I'm, you know, I bear witness to something that I think is, you know, powerful, raw, real, and it's sort of like, okay, and, and th- is anyone paying attention? Um, and, and on that sort of front, I mean, I think some things that came to light out of this entire situation was that, um, you know, this environment here, being here um, is an exercise in a lot of sort of black lives amplification. Um, you know, the players are um, – listened to by a lot of media and everyone is wearing Black Lives Matter shirts, all kinds of NBA employees, including ball boys, um, you know, and, and everyone is kneeling for the anthem, but that's kind of, 
rote routine at this point. Um, and right. there's a lot of, of things going on here that, um, you know, the rest of the world isn't exposed to on, on sort of an everyday basis. I mean, I'm not even sure that TV broadcasters are playing the kneeling of the, at the national anthem anymore. Uh, and since no one's in the arena, no one can see it. So it is just really strange, I think, to kind of and to, to kind of experience that and feel like you're isolated from the world. There are problems in the world that you care about, but you don't really know if the people who aren't there have access to your thoughts and feelings and and the change you'd like to see. And and I mean, the fact is that these are some of the most prominent black men in our country um, with mm -hmm. some of the greatest resources and therefore, you know, with some of the best means to help. And I think a lot of them feel like, you know, maybe if I were out of the bubble, I could, I could apply my resources and help to my communities. So I, I think all right. those things kind of added up in the frustration. I'll be right back with Kyle Goon, but first, let's talk about Built Bar. If you're like me, when you get hungry, you can make bad decisions. But the best way to avoid blowing your diet is to be prepared, and that's why I always have a box of Built Bars in the kitchen. Not only is this the best tasting protein bar I've ever had, it's the most healthy and it fills me up when I'm busy or I'm on the go. With 18 amazing flavors, including new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate and soft and easy to chew. They taste like a candy bar, but they're low-calorie and low-sugar while also being high in protein and fiber, making them perfect for any keto and other low-carb diets. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order plus a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, and that was sort of my argument is, like, these guys can't go out and protest. And you've got guys like Jalen Brown and Russell Westbrook and people who actively participated in these protests. They can't, right? They're in this bubble. Um, I, and, you know, in the immediate aftermath of them walking off, I saw a lot of stuff on social media about, hey, it's time to apologize to Kyrie Irving. And I don't want to make this into an anti-Kyrie thing, but, uh, you know, it would, if they weren't in this bubble, they wouldn't have had the platform with which to use in this way, right? They wouldn't have been able to walk off the court if they had never done this in the first place. But they can't stay off the court. They know that. They're going to resume the season reportedly this weekend. But what are the next steps, do you think, are, uh, for them to at least move forward and at least and try to push this conversation um, and evolve this yeah. conversation to its next steps? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I think in, in one very real sense, I think their job is, is done. Um, that, um, you know, you can, there are people who obviously disagree with their methods, but the attention was, was sought and grabbed and, mm -hmm. and given. And a lot of leagues um, have acted now in solidarity with what the NBA started doing. Um, and to be perfectly frank, it's not, the NBA players do not hold the keys to our society or the keys to change. 
Um, NBA players are not, you know, elected leaders or appointed officials. They don't deal with police unions. Um, you know, I, I think one thing that has come out of the meetings is that they want to very much localize and intensify um, some of their community efforts um, and make sure the NBA and the NBA owners support them um, and, and do that in ways that help, you know, voting, which has become a really big issue um, in, in the bubble and police reform. Um, and obviously the Bucks were on the phone with some state officials in Wisconsin yesterday asking for the legislature to convene and, and get police reform voted on. Um, so I think that aspect is done, but I do think you're going to see guys continue to kind of plan, big, organize, and once they're out of the bubble, do some very concerted things at the community level to help the communities where most of them are from. Right. It's not just raising awareness, right? It's sort of getting the attention of people who can impact change, like in in the first hours of this, being able to get on the phone with powerful politicians, and stuff like that, I think is absolutely meaningful. Um, I want to kind of direct this at you because, you know, you and I were in this business where, you know, objective reporters and all these things, but this is not orange ball going through red hoop anymore, right? Like this is a very yeah. different situation. And I can only imagine you being there in person, listening to these speeches. And obviously you've got the ones that are aggregated and out there. You know, I referenced the Doc Rivers one, everything almost that LeBron James says, but you're hearing it from other players. I'm sure for you just personally, uh, not as a reporter, but as a person, when you hear these speeches from, you know, the black players in the league that you're talking with, uh, how does, I would imagine that impacts you emotionally. No. Yeah. I mean, and, and, to be, um, to put it most simply, I mean, it's it's exhausting. I mean, this is not what I came in the business to do. I mean, I, I love basketball. I love sports. I love the stories behind sports. But I didn't necessarily come in thinking, you know, I would have to find this grounding of, of um, this issue. I mean, specifically, you know, police violence against black people, um, which is, right. um, you know, I mean, the players feel traumatized and to an extent that I watch these videos, I feel traumatized because it's super unpleasant and it, it repeats itself over and over again. And the, the cycle of, of people sort of saying, well, you know, what, what, like, what did this person deserve to do to be shot um, also repeats itself over and over again. Mm -hmm. And, and I get a lot of emails and I get a lot of people, um, you know, saying very uncomfortably racist things um, about black people. Uh, and wow. I deal with that on an emotional level, like every time I hit this stuff. And it's and the reason I continue is because it's important. And because if we do not listen, if our job is to cover a major business, a, a multi-billion dollar business uh, with entertainment value. Um, and again, like I was saying, some of some of the most wealthy, um, well-known black men in America, and if we do not listen to them, and we do not attempt to understand them, like, and I'm not saying agreement is necessary, but if we do not attempt to understand them, what are we doing? I mean, what are we doing if we aren't listening to these guys 
and at least saying what they're saying, at least reporting what they're saying, what their arguments are. And it's not necessary to believe everything they say is correct. And that's not true. Um, it's, it's definitely not always true. Um, but if we don't, if there's no attempt to, to empathize and understand the key employees of this multi-billion dollar business, as far as I'm concerned, that's just not me not doing my job. And even though it is like a very different time, 2020 has been an extremely trying year. It's just, it's necessary. It's, it's what we have to do and, and what we have to understand, whether we agree with it or not. And uh, I, I really do hope that people are listening and that people attempt to, to understand if, if not agree, then, then maybe perhaps understand what it might be like in, in these shoes and, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much it. It's pretty much up to the rest of the world now. Kyle Goon from the OC Register. Kyle, thanks so much uh, for joining me and uh, and telling us about what's going on in the bubble. I hope you're well and uh, stay safe in there and keep up the great work. Yeah, thanks, Wes. Appreciate it, man. Up next, I'll play my conversation with Brian Shaw, who tells his story about dealing with racism as a player in the NBA. This is Locked On Warriors. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, it's light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built-in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit surface.com slash laptop go for more details. If you haven't subscribed to Locked On Warriors already, now is the perfect time to hit that subscribe button. Here's a conversation I had with Brian Shaw, the former NBA player and coach who joined me for a series I did interviewing former players from the last several decades about their experiences dealing with racism in America. The story about him getting pulled over by police as a player stood out to me, and I thought it would be helpful to play it for you now in case you missed it when it originally aired. Here it is. What was a time where you felt like you could have had something gone different? It could have been a similar situation for you. Is there is there a particular instance that comes to mind? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had several situations where, you know, I've been pulled over by the police um, for no apparent reason, you know, wasn't doing anything wrong. And, um, you know, I've had the good fortune of, you know, I played professional basketball for 15 years and have had been able to, um, you know, live a pretty um a pretty good life lifestyle um you know i've had nice cars and things of that nature and been you know pulled over basically racially profiled um you know living in oakland um growing up and you know being born and raised and living in oakland um you know back in the mid to late 80s you know oakland was probably known for uh you know the the as a drug city mm-hmm. um and so 
you know, a lot of the drug dealers and things that, that lived in Oakland and operated in Oakland, you know, they had nice cars and nice things. And so, um, you know, there were times where I've been pulled over because I've been in a nice car and, um, you know, obviously your first reaction is like, you know, what are you pulling me over for? I didn't do anything wrong. And then, you know, your your the tensions get high, words get said, exchanged back and forth between you and officers, and um, and you know when you look at now, I mean, I've had I've had at least on one occasion, um, you know, guns drawn on me where I've had to get face down on the ground. I wasn't issued a ticket or anything like that, um, but you know, I went went through my car and. Um, check my serial numbers on the car. Um, I've heard the the dispatch tell the officers that I didn't have any priors, no warrants, and they still consent to continue to uh, you know search my car and harass me. Um, you know, uh, and so I, I, I filed. This particular incident happened down in Hermosa Beach. I was playing for the Lakers at the time, and um, I filed a complaint with the Hermosa Beach Police Department and they did an investigation uh, through their internal affairs um, with the passenger that was in the car and myself. And, you know, it took about a month for the investigation to conclude. But at the end of it, they concluded that the officers didn't do anything outside of the scope of their job um, that was illegal. Um, So nothing basically was was done about it. Ironically enough, it was the day before. So I had just driven from Oakland to LA to move into uh, my new place down there. A good friend of mine was in the car with me and we had just gotten down there, unloaded all my clothes. I got the keys to my new place. And then we got in the car and drove down to go get something to eat and where the cop pulled us over. And so... Um, he, uh, you know, he, I gave him my license and registration. You know, I, when he when he pulled me over, I had my hands on the light on the steering wheel. Um, I asked, could I reach in my pocket and get my license and reach in the glove compartment and get my uh, insurance and um, registration information? You know, because I had obviously been been pulled over before and knew kind of knew the drill and. Um, so I had a, I had a house and the officer questioned me. He said, well, why do you have a Nevada driver's license? I said, because I have a house in in Las Vegas. And he said, well, your, your car is, is, is uh, registered to an address in Oakland. I said, yeah, I have a house in Oakland as well. And he said, well, what are you doing down here in Hermosa? And I said, I just moved into a place down here. And so he was real sarcastic and, you know, just started, oh, so you telling me you have houses in all these three places and, you know, you're driving this nice car. How much does a car like this run? You know, just stuff that didn't have anything to do with um, him pulling me over. And um, at any rate, he made me get out the car after all the questions and made me go around the car. When I got around, there was a cop on the other side with his gun pointed in the window at my friend who was in the passenger seat and they pulled him out and made us get on the ground. And, um, so anyway, to make a long story short, when, when all was said and done, and I filed a complaint that when well, they didn't give us a ticket cause we didn't do anything wrong. Um, 
they never allowed us to see the police's report, the police, uh, you know, their report. Um, well, they said in their report that they never pulled their guns on us, which was a lie. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, nothing happened. So we were starting training camp the next day. And we had, I had to take my physical that morning. I took my physical. Um, and then that evening we were, we were having our first, first practice. And as we went out on the floor to get ready for practice, the trainer and our team doctor ran out and said, we can't let you practice today. And I said, why not? And they said, because your blood pressure is, is dangerously high. Oh. So they pulled me off the floor and they asked me, you know, uh, tell us, you know, what you, you know, what you've done over the last 48 hours. And so I was like, um, I packed up stuff in Oakland. I drove down to LA, moved into my new place. And I was just naming stuff that I did when got something to eat, you know, and I just glossed over getting pulled over by the police. And so they were like, well, no, something else had to happen. So I'm just, I was like, oh yeah, I got pulled over by the police. They pulled guns on us and, um, and basically harassed us. And so me, like that, that's the part of this whole thing that I think a lot of people don't get is that because that's, it's, it's common to me or at that time was common to me being pulled over by the police and having to go through that. Um, you don't realize that it's doing something to you on the inside. It was making me boil on the inside right. and to the point where I couldn't even practice. They wouldn't let me practice the next day because my, my blood pressure was so high. And, you know, and I wasn't even thinking like that would, that could be the cause of, of why. Um, so I know, I mean, I know that's kind of a long story, but <laughs> that's yeah. something that still, uh, registers, you know, with me today where, you know, like now I look at it, I'm like, wow, I'm lucky that um you know they didn't they didn't fire their guns and um and then i'm able to you know at least live and tell the story today remember to subscribe to new episodes of locked on warriors wherever you listen to podcasts please rate review and say nice things about the show thanks to built bar for sponsoring today's show you could send your comments and questions to me on twitter at wc goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com thanks for listening thanks to kyle goon for joining me and uh, send in those questions for a mailbag early next week thanks for listening and stay safe San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.